welcome to more of that presents discography the podcast where a springfield missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog one album at a time i am matt i play guitar i'm josh on bass i'm logan on guitar i'm blake and i play the drums and we are more of that Welcome to Discographology, the podcast where we, wait a second, we explain our concept in the opening credits. We're a band from Springfield that discusses discographies of yada, yada, yada. While we may seem like we're all over the place, we definitely have a system to this madness in which we hope to convey our concepts. There's that word again, concepts. In today's pregame, we go over some of our favorite concept albums in concept cuts. But before we do, let's hear from the knights of more of that, or Skype lords, as I like to call them. Josh, what have uh, you coveted in music land? Oh, man. Uh, this has not been a, a busy week uh, or a couple weeks of buying, but uh, the things that I have bought, I actually was very excited about pretty much all of them. Uh, I've bought three things. So... First off, uh, the usual, you know, monthly vinyl we please update here. I did get mm -hmm. uh, the, I, I went ahead and exchanged this month's record, which was uh, Usher Confessions. I did not want that one. Uh, not a big what? Usher fan. So <laughs> I exchanged it for Queens of, the, Queens of the Stone Age, uh, songs for that, which I think now, if I'm keeping track, three fourths of the band have <laughs> the vinyl we please version of, uh, which is. Yeah. It's nice. Love that one. I, I have not finished listening to it. I, I started listening to some of it, but I've had just, I don't know, shit's been going on. But I uh, I was excited about that. Uh, it's a little weird to have the poster thing that comes with it hanging in my bathroom where I put all my <laughs> Vinyl Me Please art because it's a it's the, the Queens of the Stone Age Q that is a sperm going into an O. So it's a little <laughs> strange to have up on your wall <laughs> um, when you're in your mid-30s. Well, no one made you do it. I know, but it's it's a tradition at this point. Uh, but the other two things, so uh, they just released the continuing reissue of vinyl for REM, and they put out uh, New Adventures in Hi-Fi, which I had pre-ordered, and that came in, and I'm pretty excited about that. I love, uh, I shouldn't say I love that album. I like that album pretty well. It's the last one um, that... Uh, Bill Barry was on and uh, it's just a it's a very underrated um, REM album and it hasn't been on vinyl in a long time so picked that up it's double LP pretty nice uh, and then the other thing I picked up was totally a, a surprise anybody ever use the website deepdiscount.com no I don't think so I haven't I, heard of it, at least. It's, is it's, it full of spyware? <laughs> it is not. It's almost like a bargain. It's like a website that I think they just get overstock of stuff or something, because I'll see it posted occasionally on vinyl deals on sub on the vinyl deal subreddit. And so this this item came up that was on there that I had thought about getting at one point, and I actually debated whether to get for a while, but ended up pulling the trigger on it. It was only like $15 marked down from like 60 and I'm very happy I got it. It's the it's a live album of uh, Mike Cooley, Patterson Hood, and Jason Isbell, who were all three from Drive By Truckers. Uh, it's a live concert they did, acoustic concert in 2014 at the Shoals Theater in Alabama. And I was sort of hesitant because I like Jason Isbell, I like Drive By Truckers, but I didn't know if I'd be into this. But 
man, it is awesome. It can't, it's like a box set. It's four different LPs. <laughs> Uh, and they're right. all like on colored, really nice colored vinyl. And it's also my favorite kind of live, uh, LP, uh, or album because it is the entire concert. It's not like, you know, different live performances from different evenings or something. Um, so it's yeah. one solid live concert with banter and all that stuff. And they're just playing acoustic versions of drive by trucker songs. And it's great. I was really happy to pick that up for like 15 bucks, which I was not oh, wow. expecting to find, um, especially with how nice the set is. I mean, it is a well put together box set. So yeah, got those three things and uh, pretty excited about them. So that's what I've been listening to on the turntable. Um, I'll turn it over to, to Skype Lord, Matt, what have you been listening to Matt? <laughs> Uh, well, um, had the chance to actually get out to the record store, which I, I don't get to do as much, uh, after, uh, the hoot and holler live show, which was a, which was a hoot as one might, oh, might yeah. say, we, uh, stepped over to stick it in your ear. And, uh, I actually picked up a record that, um, I, I've mentioned, uh, on, on the podcast before, uh, that I, uh, had on a copied tape, but it was Hey Jude, uh, the Beatles compilation album from 1970. Uh, it's, it's their, probably the hairiest cover. Uh, you know, everybody's <laughs> got long hair and they're, they're looking pretty haggard mm-hmm. in front of an old church and, you know, <laughs> Hey Jude's there, but also, you know, some, uh, some fun singles that, that, uh, that weren't put out on, um, any American albums, uh, paperback or, I'm sorry, Rain is definitely on it. I believe Paperback Rider as well. Uh, Old Brown Shoe is one of my favorite um, left field uh, Beatles songs. Uh, so uh, been digging, digging on that again. And then also just happened to come across something on Twitter that it was the, uh, the anniversary of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. So I've been spinning some... Uh, Wait, some the song or the actual for, event? I believe the actual event. Oh, okay. Hmm. Wreck of the Edmund. What's the event? I don't know what that is. Well, it was uh, a a ship that that went down in Lake Erie or Ontario, um, and Gordon Lightfoot wrote a song about it. I think uh, I assume he he wrote it, yeah. but so I've been spinning that. I, I actually uh, just uh, apropos of, not, or, uh, of that happened to see Gordon Lightfoot when he came through and played uh, Juanita K like 20 years ago. Uh, I, w- I went with my dad. Yeah. So I, I, I guess, old, I guess old fogey music is what, what I've been uh, into. <laughs> nice. Shockingly. What, what, what about, uh, what about you? What, what about me? Um, my wife and I recently went to Bentonville, Arkansas, home of Walmart. Um, and we hit up uh, Block Street Records, who have um, two locations there. Have you guys ever heard of Block Street? Not. I think I've been been there, but I'm having trouble remembering what it looked like. Well, uh, they have two locations, one of which is basically a closet with some vinyl in it. Um, mm. And the other is more like a full-size store. Hmm. But they had some decent stuff uh stuff you don't necessarily see up here so it's nice to go somewhere else and not rifle through the same old stuff um amongst what we found was um i got gary newman um his debut album the pleasure principle an album i've 
loved since like I was a teenager. Does it have Cars? Good album. Car, yeah, C- Cars and all the other hits. Um, Disintegration, The Cure. So we we finally have that now. Ooh, the worst um, Cure album ever made that everyone said in unison it was the worst i'm just kidding everyone loves that album okay i yeah, was like did I, we it, say it that? seems what? like it, it's kind of a universally just joking like, loved one yeah. it's it's I'm hailed joking. as like the when yeah, the best when i bought that on cd it's uh at cd warehouse the guy gave me a oh you're in for it you know you're in for, something. <laughs> you're in for a treat <laughs> yep <laughs> sure um, enough jessica got let's dance to try to round out her bowie collection <laughs> Um, that was one she didn't have and we got, she insisted on getting combat rock, even Mm. though I said it's not a very good clash album. She does like that one. It has its moments. It's got no, you're right. So I like, I mean, it also has straight to hell and some of those. I love straight to hell. Rock, rock the Casbah. Rock the Casbah. Yeah. Um, she also ordered, uh, an album that we, (laughs) We both happened to like this uh, back in the day, uh, by chance, uh, the Kesha debut LP called Animal, just issued for the very first time ever on vinyl, uh, 11 years later, I think, it's from like 2010. So we got that. That's a very fun one. Um, What an interesting artifact of what party life in the year 2010 was like. Kesha, don't don't try to hug Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) I was going to say- Cause she tried to hug Jerry Seinfeld in that one viral clip, and he like was like, "No thanks, nope, Never I'm oh. good, <laughs> no thanks." I, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that that's such I, a I was gonna say she was, unaware of she was this too old. Until now. I was yeah, gonna say I thought it was interesting, fun. Blake. You you went. I was like, did Blake not pick up any music by a like female pop singer? Because <laughs> you were like Hush. the Cure, All the right, Clash. Guys. I'm hey. like, oh, David Bowie. I'm like, oh shit. And then you're like, Kesha. I'm like, okay, there it is. Never mind. <laughs> they well they were they were snobs at block street they have they have like no no pop um that's not true they had a little bit um and jess ordered the first two my bloody valentine records are now available in a i guess a new reissue and they're called fully analog cuts so i'm very uh, she just got them really excited to find out what exactly that is and how it sounds hmm. i like the idea of something following an analog path into the wax and she uh in that same that same day she got uh speaking of my blood my bloody valentine she got the new snail mail record which is called mm. valentine by coincidence i haven't uh, listened to much of that snail mail. I, I need to get more into that i, I feel like i would like that I, based on my, my the first one i loved yeah illuminati hotties and that song. kind of thing so i did listen to this a little bit of like it today that. i know it isn't but i mean I feel like, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I listened same, to it today. It's in the same and, universe. Uh, that one song, Valentine by Snail Mail. And I actually kind of, I, I dug it for sure. I put it in a playlist. I'll, I'm going to listen to it more for sure. Yeah, I haven't even dug into this one, but I, I loved her first record. So, yeah. Nice. Well, I have a, I think I, I told you guys about this, but I was kind of a, still digging on the uh, the cosmic music scene a little bit, and I happened to find an album that I already had, but my copy I picked up super cheap, and it was just beat up, and even a good cleaning didn't really do it justice. But this one, uh, after some cleaning, I think it's a much better copy, and it was cheap too. So I picked up Tangerine Dreams' uh, Phaedra album from 1974, mm. which is going to be a year before Kraftwerk's uh, radio activity. 
Um, so I've been listening to that. Have you guys ever listened to Phaedra? Have not. No, but we have, have a not. listener, uh, Tom, who's probably going to be pretty excited to hear. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's definitely an alien-like experience. Uh, it's very cool. <laughs> um, but other than that, I don't know. I don't. Without having to go into it too much, I've had a very angry week of fr- a frustrating oh. and like. So when you get all this anger and frustration built up in your you know system, you you got to put it somewhere, right? So I, I tend to turn to that kind of music that reflects that kind of stuff. And it kind of simultaneously gets me pumped up, but also kind of calms me down too. like, you know, I don't know. It's a weird deal. But I've been listening to uh, Typo Negatives October Rust, which has been out of print on vinyl for quite a bit. And the box set's really expensive. So it's like the first pressing and it's, you know, on like bright green and you know, maybe some gray swirls in there too, but uh, it's, I miss listening to it in October, unfortunately, when it's, Ooh. of course, the best time, but I got it like yeah. a week after and I was like, oh, that's cool. It's still, you know, totally fallout. It's Close Beautiful enough. leaves. Yeah. It's peak fall here. Yeah. So, Holy uh, shit. They cover Cinnamon Girl. They do. And it's rad. It's so good. Um, I've put Wolf Moon on there on one of our uh, Halloween hmm. mixes for you guys, but also a, a great track is My Girlfriend's Girlfriend. Uh, highly, I remember that one. Oh, yeah, great track. Also, I've been uh, kind of diving back into these, you know, angry roots of, of new metal and stuff that I listened to when I was younger, and I happened to be in Stick It in Your Ear and found a copy of Korn's Take a Look in the Mirror, which is from 2003. It's technically the last original lineup release of corn so that's it's the last one where they're all together that they yeah. put out uh that's from 2003 uh, definitely cool to go back and listen to that there's some good tracks on there uh slipknot also came out with a new song called the chapel town rag uh it didn't grab me as much as uh some other releases that uh, you know when they've come out it's been a few years since they released that other it's, one it's are divisive. you sure that's not a slip nuts song that's <laughs> slip- <laughs> based purely on the name i expect it to be like it's the chapter rag yeah like what is this a railroad or like uh like Hop on the trolley, Johnny Swell. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Boogie woogie. I think it has to do with the name. It really does. It's like, why do they name it this? It's so weird. But it's it's a good song. It's some nuts. It's a grower. Jeez. Uh, Also, in this lineup, uh, Lip Biscuit still sucks. That's the name (laughs) of their album, 2021. (laughs) Uh, I listened to that, and that was was an interesting experience. It was... uh, (laughs) There was some definitely parts that reminded me of, you know, old classic, you know, they don't care. They do what they do and they don't, you know, think twice about it. So it was interesting to go back and listen to that. But I'm sure everyone probably thinks I have terrible taste and you are correct. <laughs> I try. No, to I'm ma- just getting serious dad vibes. I, I try to make up for it by liking, you know, good things too. Like it creates balance. I can't appreciate either one without the other or, you know, too long didn't read. There's a good or bad taste there's no good or bad taste you just like what you like while being open-minded it's some new new music you haven't heard and closing doors never leads anywhere and all that stuff son sons brothers brothers more of that dad dad (laughs) all right now you guys have your jammies on for this right oh god your jammies and your whiskey or yeah i'm always in jammies drinking whiskey i am drinking a black cherry white claw (laughs) <laughs> oh, I like I like the concept here. 
Uh, speaking of which, I think it's time we move on into our uh, topic, Concept Cuts. Oh, yeah. Concept Cuts! Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> what was that? It's the you Benedictine know? monks uh, singing like an early wild. 90s chant. <laughs> so uh, we can dive into our uh, conversation here. What makes a concept album? How difficult is it to convey a message or a concept through music? And what's maybe your favorite concept album or tracks that really bring it into focus for you? Josh? Well, I, I wrestled with this one because uh, there are some, you know, bigger concept albums that I, I do love. And I, I feel like everybody's kind of aware of, you know, like Pink Floyd, The Wall, I think is a great album. I love it. It's it's a solid concept album. Um, but I was trying to think of one that's like, OK, what is the one that not many people think about or talk about? Uh, and then I really was was just trying to to find something and <laughs> kind of you know, just going through my collection and, and scraping around. And then eventually this one came to me and I was like, oh, this is great. Cause it's legitimately something I, I love. And it's a unique concept for an album. Um, it just, it just ticked all the boxes. So what I chose was 1968. The full name of the album is the turtles present the battle of the bands. And it's by the group, the turtles. Uh, which I would argue one of the more underrated groups of the 60s. So uh, most people, you know, know the Turtles. They're the 60s pop group that hit big in 1967 with Happy Together, which was their big kind of poppy hit, uh, which I, I knew that song growing up um, from the oldies station and, you know, tape compilations and, and loved it for sure. But somehow I stumbled across this album, uh, Battle of the Bands, um, I don't remember how online. And then eventually I found it in a, a flea market and picked it up. And, and it's really just become a, a, a favorite of mine that is not as well known. So it's their fourth studio album and it's produced by Chip Douglas, who was the producer for the monkeys. He actually had left producing the monkeys and come over to work with the turtles, I guess as a, maybe a animal band thing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, they decided for their fourth album that they were going to make a concept album with the concept being, they were going to pose as 11 different bands competing in a battle of the bands. Whoa. So of the 12 <laughs> tracks cool. on the album, there are 11 of them that are each presented by a different quote unquote group, but in reality, it's just the turtles playing different styles. And, you know, the cover of the album is them in tuxedos, like they're emceeing sort of the battle of the bands. The first track is about the opening of the, the battle of the bands. And then it just kind of goes through different groups playing. And I just, every song is so different, but also really good. Um, there's a song on there called Eleanor that was sort of, the, I think it was the single from it. And it's purposefully done almost as like a parody of their own style. Um, it was <laughs> supposedly written in response to the label telling them they wanted another happy together. So it's like overly saccharine and sweet. Um, but I, I still think is just a great sixties pop song. Uh, probably the most notable one that most people know is there's a song in there called you showed me, which is on the, album is depicted as being by a group called nature's children. Uh, but it is, you know, the turtles, uh, the song you showed me is actually written by Roger McGowan and hmm. Gene Clark of the birds. 
And uh, both those, Eleanor and You Showed Me, were singles and did moderately well. But ultimately, the the album uh, flopped. They did one more album, uh, Turtle Soup, which was produced by Ray Davies of the Kinks, and then broke up. And some of the people went and joined Mothers of Invention with Frank Zappa. But that was about it. And Turtles kind of go down in history as a, a one-hit wonder for Happy Together. But this album, um, I just think, is is a good underrated album besides Eleanor and you showed me uh there's a song called Earth Anthem which is the only one that's not done in that style that's the the last track it's just sort of a great meditative track on environmentalism um and is is very pleasant to listen to uh there are some really dumb moments on the album there's one track where the song is called I'm Chief Kamana Wanalea and the, they're the oh Royal Macadamia Nuts. And I'm, oh I cringe God. at it every time I hear it. Uh, <laughs> but beyond that, <laughs> it's mostly a good 60s pop album uh, with a lot of variety. It did kind of have a, a little bit of a, a pickup in cultural uh, significance in the late 80s, early 90s, because there were a few different tracks that were used by different groups for sampling. So I believe the Beastie Boys actually sampled the Chief Kamana Wanalea song. Um, and De La Soul <laughs> sampled You Showed Me in another one. Unfortunately, the elder turtles at that point were not as keen on sampling and uh, sued them. Uh, see the Tribe Called Quest episode uh, from last season. Um, I think I mentioned that lawsuit. So uh, didn't really uh, work out so well in the end uh, for those groups. And, and they kind of... I think uh, sullied a little bit of their their image, kind of became the the stereotypical yuppie, you know, musicians. But okay, uh, 1968's uh, <laughs> Turtles present the battle of the bands. It's a great concept, fun album. Uh, check it out. Very good. That's that that's good my one. recommendation. You know what my favorite Turtles album is? <laughs> Uh, coming, coming out, out of our shells. shells. <laughs> 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 we we both got there. We both got there. Coming right. out of a shell. Coming out of a shell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. No, it's okay. Um, I, I remember, speaking of musical turtles, I remember somebody had, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like there was like a stage show that went around, uh, around the mm-hmm. time that, that uh, the second movie came out. And the only thing that I remember from the advertisement was that uh, Leonardo <laughs> was playing a one-string bass. Well, anyway, en- enough Whoa. turtles. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that's He's the like, same. Uh, that's uh, coming out of our shells for sure. That's <laughs> is that is that okay? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, concept albums <laughs> is, is is what we're what we're talking about. Uh, that's a that's a concept. Yeah, that, that is that is indeed. Uh, you know, it's it's all concept. But uh, I also thought a lot about, you know, different concept albums and, you know, what makes a concept album. And, you know, I, Josh, I also immediately went to Pink Floyd. Uh, I would argue that uh, everything from Dark Side of the Moon to even the final cut has elements or, or could be called uh, concept albums. I feel like there are, there are tiers of concept albums. There are things that are, you know, with, you know, uh, coming out of our shells, of course, being at, at the pinnacle. Uh, but you know, you, <laughs> you've, got your, you've got your rock operas, which are, yeah. you know, definitionally, you know, concept albums, you know, Tommy, of course, I've never listened to Quadrophenia and should get into that. I've, I, I think I've heard a few, a uh, few tracks from it. Um, 
And then there's also, you know, kind of unofficial concept albums, um, you know, which I would call uh, things like, uh, you know, OK Computer, you know, any, anything that, that, that has lots of kind of a consistent theme, perhaps, you know, is a theme, a concept, I don't know. Um, Sergeant Peppers, uh, you know, a lot of people will argue is, is kind of the concept album. And it, it's funny that, that you were mentioning, Josh, the, um, the Battle of the Bands. Uh, I, I know that, you know, in watching, you know, the anthology. And so uh, it, it, there's elements of that, you know, there as well. The, uh, between the Sergeant Peppers band and then Billy Shears. And then it kind of just, you know, they, they, they kind of left that conceit behind, you know, after the first cu- couple of tracks. And then, of course, they do the, the reprise. But um, I kind of went uh, went even further back. Um, and, and there are concept albums that are that are concept albums just because, you know, they, they, they come right out and say it. And the one the one that I thought of was Marty Robbins, 1959 Gunfighter Ballads and Trail Songs. Mm. And Good by one. God, that's, you know. It is, you know, he delivers what is advertised and it's all great. Of course, El Paso is is on there. I think the the concept is people getting shot because, you know, <laughs> Marty Robbins is getting shot, you know, in 75% of these songs. It's not all um, Marty Robbins compositions. Uh, there's there's a, a tr- you know, a tr- couple of traditional songs on there and, and um songs from, from other songwriters, but, uh, I guess it was a, uh, it was one of those one day albums, um, which I believe one of the early Beatles albums was, you know, recorded in 12 hours or something like that. The Shags. And, uh, the Shags. Yeah, there you go. Um, and uh, another side of Bob Dylan, I believe was, you know, maybe over a weekend or something like that. But, um, the one that I owe that I like the most, uh, off of this is big iron, which I heard a lot playing fallout New Vegas. I'm sure, uh, anybody who has played that, um, my ears perked up, uh, you've heard that as well. So, uh, my, my, uh, you know, consider this concept, uh, of an album is, uh, Marty Robbins, gunfighter ballads and trail songs. It's one you can pick up as well. I mean, you can see, you see that one around occasionally. It's still desirable. People want it. Um, Very cool cover, purple, very purple cover. (laughs) There, there is a a reissue sitting at stick it in your ear, at least as of last week. Nice. Okay. So my issue with this was there are probably too many concept albums that I like. Um, So hard to narrow down. And this one, this one isn't my favorite. It's hard to even pick a favorite, but I it's an album I really love and I feel like it's a genre um I haven't given enough love on this show probably uh considering uh how much I uh, used to love listening to hip hop and I still do. But it's uh who out there has heard the Kendrick Lamar uh his second record mm. Good Kid Mad City 2012. I've heard I have songs. Not, haven't heard that one, no. It's got some bangers. Um, it is a full-on concept, sort of non-linear narrative album with a lot of connective tissue. Um, Dr. Dre, executive producer of the album. Um, and the concept is Kendrick's own experiences as a young man in his native Compton. Things are out of order. It, it's, it's, it's a narrative concept, but like I said, non-linear. Thematically, you know, violence, gang rivalry, drugs, and general adolescent horniness run throughout the whole thing. 
Uh, how's that for concepts? And I like that it flows seamlessly from start to end. There's like no pauses. It's all one flowing thing. Kind of like a certain album we're going to do soon here. Um, and everything, yeah, everything flows into each other, all connected by narrative skits in between. And uh, Lamar said about it, uh, it's about the kid that's trying to escape the that influence uh, of his hometown, that is, but has always been pulled back in because of circumstances that be. Um, good kid, Mad City. Uh, good kid in a Mad City was a rapper nickname he gave himself years before this came out. The, the album is called Good Kid M-A-A-D, and M-A-A-D is like um, an acronym. He said it could stand for My Angry Adolescence Divided, or, I like this one better, I think, My Angels on Angel Dust. <laughs> okay. Uh, so pretty much every track has um, dialogue stuff in between it. And there's a device of using an answering machine or voicemail messages as connecting, connecting threads between tracks. And we're hearing um, Kendrick's parents, uh, his mother and father character uh, on the voicemail bickering, and uh, they're trying to get a hold of him. He doesn't pick up because he's too busy out there in the streets being up to no good. And his parents want their van back uh, that he took off in. Um, he's supposed to be like a teen. Remember, it's like looking back at his younger years. Um, and his dad, it, this is funny, his dad constantly wants to know where his MF dominoes are at. And so they're kind of like the comic relief on an on a album that is really heavy, heavy themes. Uh, but I, I prefer the way they've done this to your average kind of corny hip-hop album skit, you know, the ever-present skit. Mm. Um we don't hear the char- the main character's voice. Uh, we hear his family worry- worrying about him. It opens with noises of like what kind of sounds to me like a, a film projector and like film spooling. And uh, he does he he calls it on the album cover. It says a short film by Kendrick Lamar. It's not a film, but I guess that that works into the concept there it's presented as if it's like a short film in between there's also clips of his friends his friend group discussing doing crimes being bad in the streets um that tells a story being troublemaking teenagers you know the concept is about our protagonist here maturing and being homesick for compton uh while simultaneously uh it's being about the city uh plagued by violence and poverty finally we hear the the end of it we hear his mom character say on the voicemail that if he makes it, like makes it big, success in hip hop, she tells him to tell your story uh, to the black and brown kids of Compton, say that you were one of them. And she tells him if he makes it to give back to his community. Um, and then the final stinger is you hear Kendrick saying, mom, I'm going to use the van real quick. Be, be back in 15 minutes. <laughs> Interesting note, Robert Robert Christgau, apparently, uh, he said Lamar enacts a rap versus real dichotomy with this album. I don't know what that means, but I just thought it was an interesting thing to say. You know, everyone loves Christgau. Uh, but I was Sonic listening Youth. to this album. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, he's he's hated. Uh, I, I kid. But I was listening back to Good Kid, Mad City today for the first time in years. And I really recommend the hell out of this album. So yeah, nice. I, I haven't listened. To that one. I listened to "Pimp a Butterfly" before uh, a few times. But... I might. I think I might like this one the best. You should check it out. Okay. Would I like it? 
you think? Um, I mean, you you like good hip hop, so I I don't see why not. Cool. I'll have to check it out. I yeah, that does sound cool. Yeah, it's, it's got bangers. I, I mean, they got to get that van, you know. <laughs> it's all about the van. I, I we have the uh, alternate cover vinyl that has the van on. Uh, it's a Polaroid of the van. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So I I was thinking about this and. First, I just, you know, automatically think of stuff that I remember from growing up. And, you know, of course, Pink Floyd is also mentioned. You know, I was thinking The Wall or Animals especially. But I think Matt hit the nail on the head that after, you know, Dark Side or On or whatever, it's it's, it's pretty much all conceptual, at least a, a final cut. So, uh, but I also thought about like Green Day's American Idiot, I think was a, a successful uh, concept album that was That's pretty a great on example. the net on the nose also nine inch nails year zero i think had a, a pretty interesting concept and yep uh I, I loved how they marketed or advertised for that album uh they found what was it like uh usb drives with certain yeah. files on in it in the bathroom yeah, a whole conspiracy kind of opened up about it and played Wild into the stuff. story it was awesome oh, yeah you know there's melancholy and in the infinite sadness which to me you know it, it's it's more of like an auditory con concept kind of album. It's vague, more vague, uh, but there's kind of a, you know, a, a, a day and night, you know, concept to it. Um, all of Mars Volta, you know, whatever, or yeah. a, a, a big famous one that we haven't really touched on is rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, yeah. that's a big one. But uh, I, I want to tell you with the, about the one that I finally went with. I've been a fan of Ween ever since my Uncle Tim got me into them. He also contributed to my love of craftwork. When I had first heard Chocolate and Cheese, I was just blown away. By the time I got around to hearing The Mollusk, I was an adult, and I'd say I found it at the perfect time. The Mollusk is the sixth studio album by American rock band Ween, released by Elektra Records on June 24, 1997. It is a multi-genre concept album with a dark nautical theme. With most songs incorporating elements from psychedelia and or sea shanties, while also featuring a heavy progressive rock influence. I was deeply in love with concept albums. However, most that I had heard weren't so on the nose with their concepts, much more vague. This one really goes out to sea and explores the oceans and the culture within. Their ability to bounce between genres and still abide by a concept is pretty interesting to me. SpongeBob even got Ocean Man. Ween is one of the great rock and roll chameleons that swim beneath the surface, poking its gilled head up every once in a while for air. I think everyone should definitely check out Ween's The Mollusk from 1997 and hear some of these great tracks. Here's a little, little medley for you.
this episode thanks for the uh concept cuts from you guys thanks to our listeners uh thank you for checking out i hope that you uh enjoyed our our first few episodes of craft work and we're going to be wrapping it up next week uh with the first part of craft work done for this season uh with radio activity from 1975 so uh that's that's your homework uh yeah so just uh let a let a friend know and we hope that you enjoy the show and thanks for listening see you next time craft work thanks everybody Yeah.